Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. The American Council of Blind Lions, ACBL, is the affiliate that roars, and that's no lion. ACBL holds monthly conference calls and ACB convention events that help people who are blind or visually impaired become more involved in local Lions Clubs. Find out more. Call 502-897-1472 or email lions.acb at gmail.com. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affects all of us in and out of the ACB community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona. And, you know, every single Sunday, those horns get to me. It makes my heart pound just a little bit faster knowing that I am reaching out to all of you out there. We've been away for a couple of weeks. Um, A lot of you out there might know that I had um, a death in the family. My mom passed away and had to postpone a couple of Sunday editions. So I want to just thank every single one of you that reached out with words of encouragement, Um, Or just to say, hey, you'll make it through, you know, every single message, every single call or text meant so much to me. So I definitely want to thank you for that. I am here as always with my sidekick executive producer extraordinaire, Byron Lee. How you doing today, Byron? Yeah, doing pretty good. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. It feels good to be back in the Sunday edition saddle. Um, and that we have such a great show, it makes it even all, you know, all the more better. Um, I have a couple of announcements, and Byron will catch up and see what's going on with Next Gen in a few minutes. But um, I wanted to start off by reminding everybody that the 60 for 60 campaign for American Council of the Blind is in full force. Hit up acb.org and click 60 for 60 to find out how you can publicize or share with friends, donate yourself or, you know, pass the word along. Also, we are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month this month. And um, as someone who grew up in New York City, and let me tell you, um, I, you know, I love my Latino community. And uh, I can tell you, you know, first off, the Puerto Rican Pride Parade, man, every year that was days and days worth of lots and lots of fun. But um, now living in a Hispanic household, I appreciate the significance of, of this month even more so. And very interesting coincidence, my birthday this past Wednesday, September 15th, is also Central American Independence Day. And if you'd like to find out more information about that, or about celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month, please go to acbvoices.org. That's acbvoices.org. The person that also lives in this um, Hispanic household with me wrote an amazing article to celebrate Latin Heritage Month and um, to tell you a little bit about the history and his journey here. So please go check that out. Mr. Lee. 
next Sunday, Next Generation is taking over Sunday edition. So yeah, folks, I'm back for a week and then I'll be gone for a week for the Florida Council of the Blind board meeting. But Byron will be here and Byron, you guys are bringing an awesome show, aren't you? Yep, I'm really excited for this. So we're going to be taking over Sunday edition and talking about what has ACB done unintentionally for you. Um, How did ACB help you during COVID? What sorts of self-revelations have you found because of ACB? Um, We're really excited about that. And also, we have a whole bunch of new blood in our programs committee. Um, I just want to thank our illustrious chair, Tyanne Wilmath, for um, finding a whole bunch of new talent. And I want to uh, say hello to all of our programs committee people, Annie, Kayla, Neril, Kristen, Marissa, Andy, Cassie, Mo, and Vika, and of course myself. It's great to have a whole bunch of new faces and new ideas uh, for programs. We're going to be doing a talent show. Um, We're going to be doing that uh, next Saturday. That would be Saturday the 25th. Um, And then uh, coming up in October, we're going to be doing an educational program about audiobooks. How do you find them? Where do you download them? Maybe there's other services out there that you haven't heard of uh, where you can get your audiobooks. So uh, lots of really awesome stuff going on with NextGen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. As always, you can join the NextGen folks um, via the Zoom link for Sunday edition. And if you have any questions, comments, or you'd like to join us after the show today to uh, to premiere for the ECB Media Network, uh, Car Serum, then please go to either the lists, the conversation list, the leadership list, or the Facebook community page for the Zoom link for today's show. Before I jump in and start talking with Shane, though, I have a very special returning guest. Zelda Gebhardt is on, and I wanted to chat with her a little bit, and she graciously is taking time out of a road trip to sit down with Sunday Edition. So welcome back, Zelda. Hi, Anthony. It's it's really exciting to be, to be here with you today. Uh, always good to be on your show. Lots of fun, and I'm I'm anxious for our little visit this morning. <laughs> well, I hope it's a good anxious. Um, you want to <laughs> tell the folks a little bit about what you've been doing the last couple of days? Well, um, my husband and I went to um, a lake. It's it's Devil's Lake um, near the town of. You guessed it, Devil's Lake, um, and it's it's a wonderful site for walleye fishing. So we have been camping and and fishing, and we've actually caught some fish, which is kind of amazing because we don't always. So um, right now, if you hear a little noise in the background, that's my husband. He is he is getting our camper ready to go home today, and while I'm talking to Anthony, so. Here we are. Uh-huh. I want to give you an audio description of, of sure. for those who have their video on. And if you've joined us by Zoom um, and you can't see what's behind me, um, I have a, a backdrop of um, like a forest of trees. And today uh, the leaves are gently falling one by one, not in great clumps, but but you can tell fall is coming. So and I'm sitting at the picnic table. Nice. I'm just curious who descales and deheads and, and does all the, um, you know, the fish stuff before you can actually cook it. 
my husband does the cleaning of the fish and I, I cook it. So we, we've separated those duties. I think that's a pretty fair trade-off. Well, <laughs> folks, in two weeks on October 3rd, we're going to have a get up and get moving extravaganza on Sunday edition. And I'm real excited for that show. And I'm really excited for the campaign. I'm really excited to, to announce, although a lot of you have already got the invites, that we also have a Facebook group, Get Up, Get Moving. And something came across um, the, I want to believe it was the conversation list. And then it graduated to the, the, to our Facebook community group and the get up, get moving Facebook community group. And it was, uh, brought up, brought to us by none other than Zelda. So Zelda, what an awesome challenge. What an awesome idea. Why don't you give us the background of, of, you know, how you came up with it and when you decided to post it? Well, each year. When um, I go to convention, I, I get enthused and motivated um, just listening to other speakers, um, you know, hearing, getting together with others. And it just pumps me up and gets me ready to go. So that combined with, of course, at the end of the convention, we had um, the pre-Olympic, uh, the opening ceremony and getting to hear um, Olympians talk. Now I don't, I don't have a goal of being an Olympian. I'm, I'm not. Um, don't pretend to be that athletic, but I was inspired um, by their accomplishments and their goal setting. That's what really hit me. That none of them just wandered into that. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to be an Olympian. Um, maybe you know, on my way to being something else. No, they set out these goals and they they shoot for them and they they attain them. That's the only way they do it. And that those two things coupled with the unveiling of the Get Up and Get Going campaign inspired me to think about, okay, what is it that I can do? Um, and I thought a little bit and decided on July 24th that since next year's ACB conference and convention was going to be held in Omaha, Nebraska, that perhaps I could walk to Omaha and, you know, not literally walk to Omaha, but walk as many miles as it would take to get from my house to, to go to Omaha, which is 453 miles. And so I started um, trying to figure out how, how I could attain that because I live in North Dakota where the winters are long. We have lots of snow and the weather can get really cold. And I know there will be months where I won't be walking outside. And so um, I started right in walking more than the daily amount that I would need to achieve to get there because I wanted some tucked away for later when I wouldn't be able to. And I actually am gonna be um, using my stationary bike to, to get to Omaha too. But that's, that's kind of the, where I started. And then suddenly I started seeing a flurry of postings, myself included, um, who wanted to challenge ourselves to do the same thing, to figure out how many miles it was between where we are and um, Omaha. I happen to be in Miami, so it's, it's, it's a bit over 400 miles as well. Um, so yeah. 
you know, the, the good thing for me is I don't have a, a harsh winter where I will be able to walk every day if, if I so choose. Um, but there was a flurry of people jumping on board with this idea. How did it feel when, you know, when you started seeing all, you know, all the folks that were inspired by, by your idea? Quite frankly, I was surprised because really um, I didn't put out the challenge there for other people to do the same, to walk to Omaha, but to start in their lives setting goals, um, whatever that might be. Um, everybody has um, a different um, situation and they have different goals that they want to meet. Um, I have not always been a goal setter. Um, I'm a wife. And, and a mother and a grandmother. And often my life is determined um, what I need to do for them. Um, and so my, my goals have, have not always been my goals. Uh, it's been kind of um, what I do for my family and for my friends, for my church, for my community, for my, you know, the organizations I belong to. So this is kind of a a new thing for me to set a personal goal and a specific goal. I've always known in general where I was headed, um, but to set a specific goal and track that and have a timeline and, and, you know, so many days I should be to such and such a town and that kind of thing. Uh, that isn't the kind of goals that I set. And then to make an announcement of it, um, that is also something I haven't always done. So those are all new things for me. And, um, and so I was really pleased when I saw that others might want to do the same. Um, but really, the challenge was for people everywhere to start setting goals in their in their lives so that they can attain um, things that they that mean something to them. I have a challenge that I want to ask you about in a moment, but in your own words, what is the ACB Get Up, Get Moving campaign, you know, mean for you personally, for us as an organization, and maybe for the world at large that might be seeing us for the first time in a different light? Well, I, for me personally, um, Get Up and Get Moving is just exactly that. Um, during this pandemic, I have spent an awful lot of time in, on my computer chair in front of my computer or on the sofa. And um, it is time to, to, you know, irregardless of what's, what's out there, um, yes, don't take any, any risks, but to, to go ahead and, and um, move on, um, get moving, um, whatever that might look like. And for me, um, you know, I'd put on a few pounds over COVID and, and if, if a byproduct of this, this goal of mine is to, you know, take a few off, that would be just fine with me, but I just want to be healthier. I, I just want to live my best life. All right, so here's a challenge that I'd like to ask. First off, would you come back to Sunday Edition when you're about halfway through and help to re-inspire some folks? But more importantly, when we get to Omaha, would you save that last half a mile to walk with myself, Gabriel, and anybody else who decides to take up the challenge uh, folks out there know that I have a relationship. I worked for the Associated Press for a little over 10 years, and I still maintain that relationship. And I think it would be great 
if we all kind of gathered, I know not to take any thunder away from the, the Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, but to, to highlight and celebrate the Get Up, Get Moving campaign, if we did a half a mile path around the area where we'll be staying to kind of conclude this challenge and to get some national attention for Get Up, Get Moving. What do you think about Anthony, those two things? I, I think that's a splendid challenge. I, I'm on for that. Let's do it. All right. Well, then, um, if you have any final thoughts, please feel free to, to let them know. But promise when you're at that halfway mark, you'll give me a heads up and come back to Sunday edition. That's that's great. I do have um, ju just a little wrinkle in, in my goal setting. I didn't factor in um, any little little things that might curtail me. And about two weeks ago, um, I was sick for about a week and a half and didn't walk. Um, and that kind of messed up my timeline just a tad, but um, I had been putting in some three mile walks. And so I've got a few extra miles tucked away. So I'm not too far behind, but um, I just want to remind people when they're setting goals to um, factor in some flexibility, um, whether that's a goal in your, your career, um, you know, in your in your personal life in a relationship or whatever um factor in some flexibility because otherwise it can be kind of disappointing absolutely you have inspired me you've inspired a lot of us in the community and so i just i absolutely wanted to take a moment to shine a little bit of, of light on this and uh i look forward to talking with you in a few months at the halfway mark and i look forward to hearing you at the bop meetings um you have a great rest of your day and okay. uh, I hope there's <laughs> i hope there's some good fish on the table tonight <laughs> there will be there'll be fish for dinner that's for sure and thanks so much anthony for having me and it's it's my pleasure i did not have any idea that that what i was doing um would would uh, spread uh, around and i'm i'm certainly um glad that it has I feel a blog article in the making. Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll take that challenge. I'll take that challenge. All right. Sounds great. Thank your husband for us. Have a great rest of the day. Yeah, he's got the camper all hooked up now. So <laughs> all I have to do is make lunch and we'll be on our way. Uh, you have a great day. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, folks, you heard it there. So, you know, calculate the amount of miles it is between where you are and Omaha and join the challenge. And for that last half mile stretch, join us live in Omaha, where hopefully we will get some national press coverage. Uh, I will be farming this portion of today's Sunday edition out to all of my friends in the business and see who bites. Sort of like casting out a fishing line, but uh, I digress as I'm known to do. I am absolutely thrilled with my next guest, with the ideas that we've been bouncing around as we were talking, preparing for this show, with just the idea of what the medium that he's working in could become for us as a community. I would like to welcome to Sunday Edition, Shane Salk. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And I mean that with all the sincerity. I have looked forward to this for a while. So some of the folks who, who um, you know, got us, got to us through the Zoom link have read your personal bio, but um, why don't you give us that bio through voice? And if you'd like to give us a personal description, we wouldn't mind that either. 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm Shane. I'm 6'4". Uh, my birthday is on Wednesday, and I'll be 36, I think. But I might need a fact checker on that. I stopped paying attention a number of years ago. Uh, I got brown hair, I'm white, and I am the most attractive person in the world. <laughs> so when I first heard your voice, I kept saying to myself, did I ever encounter him at a convention? Have I met him somewhere? And then I read your bio. And I stumbled across American Dad, and I said, "Oh my God, that's what it is!" <laughs> <laughs> Tell the folks a little bit about your career up to this point. Uh, well, I um, I'm from Seattle, Washington, and I went uh, to uh, school to college in Orange County, California, uh, for theater. I have a, a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Theater Performance at Chapman University, and while I was down there. They have a very nice film school as well. And I am one of those people. I did uh, theater in high school and before I did theater tech in high school. And I'm one of those people that really um, feels the more they know about everything, the better they are at anything. So I, you know, we uh, when I was in high school, we actually built a new theater and I was the student that helped them, uh, you know, put all the tech in and get it all set up and all those things. So. When I went to college, I did a lot of films. Um, I did theater tech there and I graduated in 2008. And if anybody remembers 2008, it was not a great year to graduate. Uh, we were, you know, the economy was down, people were losing their jobs and then trying to get other jobs. Um, so coming out of school as a theater person, uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot to do. So what I started doing is, is started producing my own work. So back then, I, I created a show called We're Alive, which is a zombie story of survival, if anybody knows that. It's an audio series as well. Um, I was one of the creators of that. And, and uh, so I started doing that, and I was acting at the same time. I did some theater, uh, some film. Um, I've done theater from in L.A. and Los Angeles, uh, in New York, and a couple states in between. Um, and then I actually went out and... Uh, was the genie on Disney Cruise Line for that had to uh, be amazing. It was, it was a brand new ship at the time. It was the Disney Fantasy. We were the first cast to ever be there. So when we actually rehearsed in Toronto, Canada, flew to Germany where they were still building the ship, rehearsed there, took the ship across the ocean in every sense of the word to New York, did a christening ceremony there. And then just started sailing around the Caribbean. And it was an amazing experience watching the boat be built um, and and being the first people on the boat to do this show. And there are still jokes that I had come up with and, and lighting effects and stuff that are still being used today because every cast does, you know, a similar show. Every genie is different. They do their own jokes and stuff, but some some of the stuff is the same. So that was really, really cool. Um. Yeah. And then uh, when I stopped doing that, I moved to New York because I was very tired of Los Angeles, where I am now. And I have done uh, for voiceover, I've done, you know, things like American Dad. I have done uh, major video games that I don't know if I can talk about some of them, but uh, because some of them aren't out yet. Um, but uh, yeah. And then I have always had this love of, of audio drama, audio series. When I was um, a very little young child, my parents got me audio tapes 
um, of old time radio shows. So this is something that I've been listening to for since I was four or something. Um, and uh, so when I created We're Alive, after that, I created uh, with my current business partner, William Holmes, <laughs> we did a um, a version of A Christmas Carol with a bunch of, of animation people, Maurice LaMarche and Rob Paulson, who you may know from Pinky and the Brain or Futurama <laughs> or Ninja Turtles. So that went really well. And so after that, um, I just really wanted to elevate the medium. And that's what I've been working on for so long is going, well, we can do anything with audio that you can do with film, including 3D. So that's what I've been working towards. And that's sort of where Carcerum came from. Well, I definitely want to get there. But on the way there, I just want to point out to our listeners, Broadway, New York City Broadway came back this week and um, with a vengeance. So if anybody is planning a trip to New York, you can uh, you can hit Broadway back. And I'm just curious, did you um, did you have any roles on Broadway while you were in New York? I, I was not on Broadway uh, while in New York. I did some off Broadway uh, stuff there. Uh, I was uh, did some tour. Um, I went to Rhode, I was hired to go to Rhode Island and do some stuff there. But I do have a, a number of friends who are on Broadway and I was able to go shows and I was able to go backstage at them. And I strongly encourage everybody to go, if you can, to see theater when it's coming back. Um, they need your support and every show is amazing. Absolutely. What um, What's a favorite role of yours, you know, besides the genie, of course? <laughs> that I've done or that I'd like to do? Uh, you know what? Give us both. Why not? Uh, um. So I did a, a play a number of times. Uh, I love original work. So I did a number of original plays when I was in New York. And that's really fun because you're not, nobody knows what it looks like. Nobody knows what it sounds like. Um, and you can't do it wrong. You could, you know, it's, it's amazing. I did, uh, I did a show called um, The Shape of Things a number of times, which is Neil Labute. Um, and that is a, a very intense show for for me there's only four characters in it and i played adam um and it's about a a, a a nerdy kid who sort of finds this girl who he really likes and and she changes him and there's such a an emotional arc of this character that i did the show two or three times just happen happened to do it two or three times and after i remember after the last time i did it it's i i just came off stage i was like I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired because you go through such anguish, but I love that kind of show because it's a, um, uh, it's, it's a dark comedy basically. And I think dark comedy is just so much fun. Um, yeah. and I think off the top of my head, a, a show that I would love to do, um, well, there's a show called the woman in black, which is, yeah. is, it's a horror show and I think it would be incredible. It has two or three actors, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> and uh, it's basically two actors, one playing every other role and one playing the main person. And the first time I saw that show, I lost. It was terrifying. It was so scary and so well done that I, I just have these, these grandiose ideas of doing that show. And then there's also shows like, you know, Death of a Salesman, who, which you're like, these are just the classics that to, to try these kinds of things would be incredible. 
And is there any iconic film performance that you'd love to recreate or reboot, so to speak? Oh, that's a hard one because any iconic film that I know, I would never want to touch. I wouldn't want them to change it because I just love it so much. I have a very love-hate relationship with reboots of films. Um, A lot of times I don't think a reboot is for the original audience that saw the original movie. I think it's for the next generation so people can go, well, let me show you what this story was so people can share it together. Um, I mean, if they were going to make it like an Ocean's 14 and they needed another 14, I'd be more than happy to jump into that cast. But uh, I don't think I'd want to redo it. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, let's jump, you know, jump from topic to topic. Tell us a little bit about 3D audio and how that factors into what you're doing now. So I have, again, grandiose ideas. So 3D audio to me is something where you either have a room full of speakers or nowadays with a VR headset where you put it on and it literally puts you in the middle of your scene, of your, you know, the environment. Um, There are different ways to record it. There's new technologies coming out all the time to help these things happen. Um, But this is something that I've been wanting to do for over 10 years now. Um, I love the idea of, if you're thinking VR world, um, where you put on a headset, you don't see anything. There's nothing to see. It's just the audio. But you can turn your head and look at one person talking and then turn your head and look at somebody else talking. And the sounds change with your personal movement. So, you know, if you turn to look away from somebody, their voice ends up behind you um the 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 ability to put the audience directly into a a situation where you know even if it's a battle of some sort you're in the battle and there's there's swords you know flying over your head and around you and you're ducking because you think it's right there that visceral uh, visceral experience Um, is so exciting to me and the world is getting more and more uh, accepting of this storytelling idea just through audio and I I think of audio a lot more like film than I do strictly audio and I think that's that's something that uh, people are going to start doing more and more where they're trusting their audience they're trusting themselves and their own designs because it's just so cool. It's just so cool. It's not just, you know, if you have headset uh, headphones on, you have your left and your right, and you can kind of, you can pan back and forth. You can um, do some, some fun things with that, but there are technologies happening now that you can, even with two headphones, they can manipulate the sound waves. So it feels like things are coming from behind you or in front of you. Um, you can't get them on podcasts right now because it's a different sound format. Um, all podcasts are basically MP3s, which we all know from, you know, just music we get and, and all those things. But uh, podcasting is trying to advance the formats so you could have this 3D audio feeling and this effect with just any podcast that you download. You okay. know, a couple of years. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Is it just that's been designed with that in mind? In mind. A couple of years ago, before I started Sunday Edition, unfortunately, I had the opportunity to participate in um, a research um, immersion. And it, they had taken us, there were three different scenarios, but my favorite one, they had taken us on a riverboat through a portion of the Amazon River. And it was, you know, it was a, a testing ground, you know, look to the right, look to the right, what do you hear coming up here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, and it was all kinds of, you know, they wanted all the feedback that we could, could possibly give. Um, you know, turns out, I didn't know what what the actual formatting was going to go for, but it turns out that it is for a company that's trying to produce full immersion video games for the blind and low vision community. Did did the idea for bringing the series to the, the you know, the current work that you're working on and, and your last series, did that come out of video gaming, just the advancements that you know yourself in audio? Where did, you know, where did the transition come from? Uh, I, I wouldn't say it did. Uh, again, I, I uh, very young age, the first audio drama I ever heard was called Gunsmoke, and it was given to me on cassette tape by my uncle. Um, and I loved it. And my parents started getting more and more of these old time audio things from the 20s to 50s to whatever. Um, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, you know, some of these you would have heard of the TV shows, maybe, but a lot of them started as, as radio shows. So comedies, dramas, uh, horror, even soap operas, even <laughs> soap operas. Exactly. Um, so when I started doing uh, We Were Alive back in 2009, that was always my idea is to go to take this idea and go, how far can we go with it? Um, and again, the technology and my, my accessibility to different technologies wasn't there. So I created these soundscapes um, and, and the team created these soundscapes to, to put people into, into a world. Um, but even back then I had in my head this idea, this vision of um, movie theaters were bigger back then because, you know, people yeah. didn't have the home setup. So I had these images in my head of people having to go into a movie theater and experience this 3D sound in these spaces together. Um, and as VR came in more and more into the, into the realm, um, I loved that idea of, you know, again, you turn your head and you're, you're following the sound. Um, it just, it wasn't something that other people were doing that made me go this way. It was just, how can we elevate this experience for people? And I think that's the same way that, you know, people wanted to develop video games the way they did. Um, but I, again, I, I, I have said for years that, you know, we, I can do anything with audio that you can do with film. Um, I used to say, except for 3d, but I'm working on it. And now I know how to do the 3D. Uh, we haven't, again, the technology hasn't made its way to to our studio yet. Um, and the, like I said, like podcasting can't do exactly what I want it to do quite yet. But I'm very excited to even take what I've done and then adapt it for those, for uh, those technology level ups. 
Yeah. Exactly. Level up and then re-release things when we can do that. Even Christmas Carol. I, the Christmas Carol is one of my favorite things. I'd always wanted to do a radio version of a Christmas Carol. Um, and we did it. And I think it turned out really well. And one of my favorite parts about it is there's actually a two and a half minute section where there's no talking. And it's just Scrooge going from his counting house home. And the idea of walking with Scrooge and hearing, you know, people singing, passing by or kids running past or the wind blowing around your head and going through this, these feelings that Scrooge is going through himself on this, you know, short walk home or when the ghost of Christmas uh, future shows up and it's just wind all around and you're feeling, you know, in your you're hearing the wind all around you and you're going through this fear that Scrooge is going through at the same time is so exciting to me that, uh, you know, I'm, that's, that's where I'm putting a lot of energy is re outreaches and, and trying to get, you know, partners and stuff to, 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 to have the same vision and to see the amazing, amazing experiences we can, we can give to people. So my engineer extraordinaire behind, you know, behind me here, Byron, um, is, you know, an expert or close to an expert in, in technologies, et cetera, et cetera. He will probably know all the answers to all the questions I'm asking. I'm kind of middle of the road and I know some of the answers to the questions I'm asking, but for the folks that really, you know, just pick up their phone, just pick up their tablet or just sit at their computer. What is the best way to experience your audio drama? Um, my personal and, and my, my thoughts on this and what I've gotten from other people who are listening is um, if you, you know, just sit and listen to it. You know, if, if you're partial sight, turn off the lights, just be in 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 uh, in your own head and see the pictures. We've had a lot of people that say, "Well, I, I was trying to listen to it at work, and then I ended up realizing that I was just not working for twenty minutes." We're not a casual listen, unfortunately. Um, it's not there. There's a lot that happens, um, and my father um, has not been shy about saying he loves the show, um, but he says to listen to everything twice. Um, because he listens to it once, really likes it, gets the story, gets all the stuff, and then goes back and listens to it again. Um, the nuances. And gets all the nuances and, and gets yeah. all the things. Um, it's, you kind of have to let the show happen to you. Um, I say that it takes, you know, an episode or two or three to sort of train an audience on how to listen to any audio show. Um, uh, talk show is a little bit different, but any audio drama, you're, you're kind of training your audience to figure out what parts of the brain, what they're going to pay attention to and what they, their subconscious can get just on its own. Um, and so for hours, you kind of just let, got to let it happen to you. Get out of it what you get out of it. Don't worry. You're like, oh, well, there was a footstep over there where there's this over there. Those things, your brain is going to, going to register and you're going to see the pictures in your head and you'll get what you get. My job as, as a sound designer um, is not to get you to see what I see. It's to have the pictures in your own head. And whatever is in your head is correct. I'll have people come to me and say, oh, it was my favorite part when they were running up the hill and this happened and that happened. And me and Bill will look at each other and go, did you design a hill? I didn't design a hill. Oh, yeah, there was absolutely a hill there. That is 100% what, what there was. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, gave, I gave a talk at a at a podcast convention and I told everybody there, I go, look, you're you know, you design you, the the audience is a better designer than you are, but you get to take credit for everything. And that's how I feel. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about today and you know about running car serum. Um and he pointed out to me, you know, it's like, you know, I had sight up until five years ago. So it's like one of those paintings where they, you know, they tell you to relax your eyes and then you'll see the picture within the pointillism or, yeah. you know, one of the, yeah. and I thought that was a great, that was a great, you know, and then after listening to two episodes, I thought to myself, I'm an avid reader. Um, and one of the, <laughs> the horrors when I did lose my sight was, oh my God, am I going to be able to get the feel of a book? listening to and i had never i had never ever listened to a single audiobook before i lost my sight and that was the one of the scariest things for me am i ever going to be able to get the feeling that i get and when you immerse yourself into the story suddenly you're not you're not really seeing the words on the page or you're not hearing the exact words that are being spoken in the audiobook if you let yourself go you are the protagonist you're in that story um, and it's sort of the same thing with, with Carcerum. You, like you said, if you're listening to the individual footsteps, you're missing, you, you know, everything else across the canvas. But right. you can go back and, and, and question yourself what was happening at that moment. Oh, yeah, there were footsteps and there was a wind, you know, whistling past. And there was, you know, this clink that led up to, I don't want to give things away, but, you know, you can pick those individual things out. But if, if you're not looking for, the individual pieces, the whole of the world really will immerse you yeah. into it or pull you into immersion. I'm not sure what the best way to describe it is, but that was my kind of takeaway. Um, audio equipment. Is there anything that folks, um, is there anything that folks could do to, in, you know, enhance the experience with their own audio equipment or computers versus, uh, versus I, I know that iPad sound isn't exactly um, optimum. So what can we do to make sure we have the, the best experience? So we actually listened when we put the show out, we listened on a number of different uh, devices and we've tried to design it so you can listen on any device and get a good experience. The best way I would say put headphones on because we do a lot of things with panning and with um, uh, uh, perspectives that you may not get from just, you know, a single speaker. Um, you'll still enjoy the show. You'll still get a lot out of it, but if you have nice headphones, uh, that's a great place to great, great way to start. Um, you know, uh, it's also designed for, you know, if you're in your car and you have decent speakers in your car, you'll get a lot out of it as well. Um, a lot of people would listen, you know, as they're commuting, because to me, you're a captive audience when you're in a car, you can't go anywhere. You got one thing to do and that's sit there or on a bus or a train, you know, you, as you're commuting to however you commute, um, it's a good thing, but you know, really good headphones, you're going to get the most nuance out of everything, I think. All right, before we jump into the world of car serum itself, I want to ask Byron, who, like I said, is, is a thousand times more technically techno, technologically advanced than I am. Do you have any questions for Shane up to this point, Byron? Yeah, um, I'm just kind of curious if you guys use binaural microphones when you do your recording, or do you shape the sounds 
uh, you know, in a digital audio workstation so that they sound like they're all around you? Uh, we don't use binaural. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, binaural is a way of recording. It's uh, the, the easiest way to describe it. It's two microphones and you move around the microphones. So once you put the sounds together, it sort of uh, creates the environment for you. Um, we don't do that. Um, I, I, so we do it in post. We do all the panning and everything in post, um, in, in pro tools. Uh, I would love to, there's, there's new technologies to make it really 3d, um, like Dolby Atmos, which I would love to, um, end up transferring everything into, but because we were designing when we started, it was a design for knowing that it was a podcast and knowing it was going to be uh, MP3. And most people were going to either listen on headphones, which are two speakers. We just did it all that way. So it was all, you know, uh, perspectives, how, how loud or quiet the person was. Um, and then we turn up or down the sort of the, um, the reverb to if depending on what the environment was and how far they were. Um, and then we would pan from left to right to give that feeling of, of, uh, 3d feeling. Anything else, Byron? Um, no, that's, that's, that's a really good answer. And I really appreciate you being on the show because, um, I'm a huge fan of audio drama, especially, um, you know, the sci-fi and, and horror genres. Um, so I, I really enjoyed your work with, uh, we're alive. I thought it was one of the best audio dramas I've heard in a long time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And that was, again, we launched that in 2009. So um, it's, it's incredible to kind of know what you ignored back then and not ignore it this time and to try to advance things as you go. Um, it, it's always, it's, you know, we, we, I didn't make anything for we're alive. Uh, and so having people really appreciate and acknowledge um the shows that I do is, is always incredibly rewarding. Yeah. Awesome. So we're definitely going to open it up for questions and answers in a little bit. Like I said earlier, if you um, want to converse with Shane, please find the Zoom link on any, the conversation list, leadership list, or on our Facebook community group. And after the show, airs ends on acb media one we will then be premiering through the zoom link uh for at least for the american council of the blind audiences the first episode of car serum and shane will stick around and answer questions about that as well but um take us into the world of car serum if you can um start by telling us you know where the genesis of the idea came from and then lead us through actually getting it you know, to our ears. Oh, just, just thinking about telling the story makes me exhausted. Um, <laughs> so I have, uh, um, years ago, I had come up with this concept of doing this fantasy show. Um, I had, I had some friends that we had sort of made a, a, a pitch for, and I had come up with sort of a storyline, uh, a basic storyline. And I made a pilot for a company and it didn't, they, they weren't really interested. They thought it was really, really cool, but it wasn't, they weren't interested because the, you know, the idea of audio is new to people. It, they don't, you know, people don't get it and it's not a proven concept yet. 
Um, so, but I had for, again, you know, we're alive. We did for nothing. You know, we, we, we had access to, um, the college we had graduated from the soundstage there. So we did it there. We put in, you know, you know, spent three years of my entire life making this thing. And it was very hard. Then I did Christmas Carol and I raised a little bit of money to do that. And it wasn't enough. Uh, I didn't pay myself. We, you know, we did it again for shoestring budget. And so this time I spent a good amount of time trying to develop a company to that and, and prove to people that this is a viable uh, market um, and that this is where the entire industry of entertainment is going to go eventually. And it was very, very hard, but I had this fantasy, um, you know, outline since 2015, I want to say. Um, it's very basic, basic outline. So as I was talking to people, I finally, I found a few people who really believed in, in the idea and with, you know, we're alive and, and I, honestly, I had talked to some, somebody for like two years about this and I was asking them advice about how to go about and how to pitch. And I went to seminars and classes on how to start a small business. And they eventually were like, you know what? You're not going to give up on this. Here's some, a little bit of seed money. And I was ecstatic. So I uh, went to Bill and we set up a, a writer's weekend where we got about six people and sat around and built the world of Carcerum. Carcerum is a story. It's a high fantasy story. Um, and we came up with the rules of this fantasy world and the history of this fantasy world one day. And then we came up with, we started bullet pointing every single episode. And Carcerum is, you know, it, it's, a, it's a world where 80 years ago or so, it was a very nice place to be. And there were these creatures called guardians who were magic and they um, protected the land. They protected the people, they protected the land. But then all of a sudden, one day, everybody turned on them and they disappeared. And nobody knew why. And so for the last number of, for the last long while, um, there are, you know, magic was outlawed and there were these uh, people called um, uh, vigils. Wow, I should know these things. Vigils. There are things people called vigils who are these marauders who are kind of state run who go around looking for magic people and basically kidnapping them. Um, people are born with magic. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's not that, you know, magic people give birth to magic people, a magic child, or vice versa. There's no reason for it. Um, so these guys go around just snatching up kids and it's just sort of a, a chaotic thing but there was a prophecy that's been passed down through generation to generations many people believe it many people don't um that says that one day someone will rise up and and save the the world and so you got to look for the one and so uh at, you'll hear it in the first one but we have you know two friends go off and and try to save the world um is the basic gist of it. So once we wrote that, we wrote the outline. I took the outline and filled out all the bullet points even further. I passed the scripts to, or those outlines to um, Lara Davey and uh, Aaron Castellan, and they would write an episode. 
um, and then they'd give it to me, I would sort of fill out the, um, I would take it, I would change it, I would keep, keep it all in the same world and the same voices. And the way I tell people if they're going to write audio is write me a movie, don't write me audio, because I will worry about how to make it work with the sound design. I say, you have to change a lot less than you think you do. And so I take it, I change very little things for audio, or I add a lot of things to go, well, we can do this instead of this simple thing. Why don't we have a 10 minute fight? Why not? <laughs> so yeah. all, of, all of the fights we do are actually choreographed. Um, not only are they written choreographed, but when we're, when we're recording, we're actually uh, telling the actors what the fight looks like, who's gonna swing where and where and you slice out from under somebody's legs here. Um, and, and so it's all very, very specific. Then we pass it to George Ackles, who, uh, proofread it and added a lot of really great things to, you know, the world, especially the, you know, the things that aren't going to necessarily be said, they're just descriptions of the world. And then it goes to Bill and then it goes to somebody else. So we had a lot of people, um, sort of have their hands in it. And I think that's why it turned out so amazing is because I will take it and I'll make it one voice, but you have so many other people look at it to go, does this make sense? Did we miss anything? All these things that we wrote uh, all 32 episodes before we started recording of season one, um, which was a lot. So that took a, about a year, I want to say, since from, from when we first had, or maybe even a year and a half since when we first had our first, you know, writer's weekend to, to finally starting to record it was a long time. Um, and the fun, the, the funniest thing to me was how many times I had to have conversations with people because I'm the, you know, I'm the only one that had really had their feet in this medium before. So, so many times I had people say, well, you know, we have to add a line here. We have to add a line here. How are they going to know? And I just go, let's get to the sound design. It's going to be fine. I know how to do it. It's going to be fine. We even had actors that come in. They're like, there's no way. Do you want me to add a line here, or there? And I'm like, no, just do the things, say the words that were there. There's a plan. There's a plan. <laughs> and <laughs> after, after the first episode, after we finished and really finalized the first episode, um, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, Bill and, and, and other people were, you know, who were giving us, you know, giving me that flack were like, oh, okay, I see how we can do this. All right. We're just going to trust that you know how to do it. <laughs> I'm like, great. So it's it. Oh, and now I'm exhausted. Um, it, it took a very, very, very long time to get to this point. But I think because it did is why, you know, we don't. It's such quality. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't cut corners. We didn't lean on the fact like, well, this is a novelty. Nobody else, you know, audio is a novelty. It's not a novelty. It's a genuine art form. And the audience of it deserves to be treated with that kind of respect and trust, in my opinion. So speaking of actors, um, there are definitely some notable voices that lent their talent to Car Serum. Um, do you want to shout out or highlight anybody? And some of them came because they were so interested in the medium and, and in what you were doing. So please feel free to shout anyone out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, we have about 120 actors in the first season. Um, I will say that right off the bat. There is nobody that I that we recorded that. I, I'm like, oh God, uh, they're not great. Just get past that part. Nothing like that, which is incredible to me. 
Um, but we have um, Neil Flynn, who is the janitor on Scrubs. He was the he was the father in the middle. He was the father on Mean Girls. He plays Vorloff, um, and he's incredible. He's one of the main vigils. Um, he's incredible. Jane Lynch, uh, who you believe, <laughs> yeah, everything. She um, she ended up at our studio at one time, and she says, "Is there anything I can do for you, folks?" And we said, "Well, actually." She heard the stuff that we had done in the past and was like, I would be more than happy to do this. And she had a great time doing it. You can actually go on, if you go to carcerumtheseries.com or find us on YouTube, you can see a lot of behind the scenes interviews with these people too. And you can hear them talking about it. Um, uh, Cameron Crowe, the famed director, Cameron Crowe. The Cameron Crowe? The Cameron Crowe, the writer director from Jerry Maguire or Almost Famous. uh, He found his way to us um, somehow. And he's a good friend of ours now. And he heard, you know, a little bit of what we did and he, we were like, well, why don't you be in our show? And he said, okay, why not? So him and his son, his son, Bill, who's a fantastic actor, has an entire episode that he's great in. Um, both lent their, their, uh, voices to us because they liked the quality and what we were doing so much. And we create, we, and, and I'm naming all these people and I, I don't want people to get the wrong idea that you know, we have thousands of dollars that we, this is how we got these people and bought them. Bill, my partner, Bill Holmes, William Holmes, uh, has been doing this for like 30 years. And he is from Chicago. He's come up with a lot of these people or knows people that know these people. He used to do comedy with Neil Flynn. Um, the reason we got Jane is because a friend of his knew was good friends with Jane and she needed a studio to record something in. And so we just sort of did a trade. But the reason that they really agreed to these conditions we were very union strong so we paid everybody uh, better than union rates um but they really did believe in the project and and saw how much how hard we were working towards it we weren't skimping and we create such a fun environment for people to record in and to be around that this is really why a lot of them lent their their voices um maurice lamarche and rob paulson who i mentioned earlier from the christmas carol jumped at the chance to come back and work with us again on this um oh uh, one of my favorites um gray delisle who you would know her voice from it's funny i say you know her voice you may not know her voice because she's so good in everything she does but she's you know the animated wonder woman she's daphne on scooby-doo she's you know many voices from your childhood uh she plays Anne, one of the vigils she is one of my favorite people. She's so nice and so talented. Um, I, I, it, you know, every day I woke up and we got to work with somebody else. It blew my mind on that. These people weren't, you know, they were doing us favors, but they were also so happy to be involved and, and enjoyed themselves so much. Um, uh, we had three different Ninja Turtles, at least. Uh, Rob Paulson was one. Um, Robbie Wrist, who was a Ninja Turtle. He was also the dragon, uh, Puffy or, or Snuffy or something from um, uh, Doc McStuffin. And uh, he plays Linus. Um, uh, Townsend Coleman, who was the original voice of the Tick, was also a Ninja Turtle. Uh, these people just came out of the woodworks because we, because of what we were doing. And it was, it was incredible to watch. And the amount of friends I've made doing this project blows my mind. 
Well, I have a couple more questions for you before we open it up to our listening audience, but I will alert Byron. Um, We can start looking for hands in a few minutes. Um, My first first thing I think a lot of people want to know, and I definitely want to know, what was the most challenging thing to, you know, if you're looking at it like a movie, what was the most challenging thing to kind of create an audio um, I don't even know what to call it, but uh, you know, to create a visual in our own heads. Maybe if you could tell us throughout the first season, and maybe since we're going to, you know, hear the first episode, you know, what was the most challenging thing throughout the season and the first episode itself that we can look out for? Sorry, go ahead. Absolutely. So we really do talk about this in terms of film shots. Bill and I both also come from film. Bill has done. Uh, feature films and so the most challenging thing really was to get the audience to change their perspective with the camera so to speak so if we're following one character and we then we're like well let's follow this other character to to make it clear that this is where we're going now was one of the most challenging and we spent a very, very, very long time on episode one. It was the the one we spent the most amount of time on because we wanted to get it perfect. And we got into so many fights and arguments about things that were possible, things that weren't possible. I would say that's not possible. And Bill would say, well, I want to do that. And then I go and I get really frustrated and then I figure out how to do it. It was, it was exhausting to take the idea of you can't do that into going, well, how do we do that? Um, I had, you'll hear a line um, in there that I kept in there because I thought the story of the line was so funny. In the original script, there was no, somebody somebody says like something about throwing rocks. Throwing rocks doesn't help. And that was not in the original script. But I got into arguments with people saying, how are you going to design something that sounds like a rock being thrown? That's not going to work. You can't do that. And I'd say, we can do it. Just let me do it and blah, blah, blah. And then they eventually like, well, let's just throw this line in there and then we can cut it. So uh, we put it in there. It's in the final version. But after we played that, you know, after I designed it and Tim McEwen, who is an amazing mixer, uh, is deserves so much credit as well because he's the one that got all the levels right and got the panning right and all of all of the amazing technical things um but once we got it back and we did all of our tweaks bill said i think we can cut that that rock line now because yeah you did it and i go yeah we're keeping that line and you're gonna know that you were wrong every time you (laughs) (laughs) nice but yeah that that first episode you'll hear there is I didn't want to start off with this idea of just this easy show. I wanted people to know what they were in for from the beginning. So we start off this first episode, these, and and episode one is actually two parts and we're going to hear both parts, but we start off with everything. We come in on a fight. We go to bigger fights. There's everything that, that there, it's not an easy thing. And it's really exciting for me because I've had people within the audio drama community reach out and go, I can't believe you did that. That was the coolest thing to start off with that kind of action was so brave. And, and, uh, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to show people that right right from the beginning, that this isn't what you think it's going to be. 
Well, you know, taking back to what you said a little while ago about training the audience how to listen, there are some definite, um, I'm going to call them through lines from, you know, my my, uh, writing days. There are definitely some through lines that cue you into what's happening. Um, at least that, you know, I only want to listen to the first couple of episodes, but I can tell that, you know, what is established in that first episode teaches you. And, and, and I think your brain kind of realizes it, you know, your subconscious brain realizes it before your conscious brain realizes it, um, you know, like magic cues and, and, you know, certain movement cues that you're hearing that, that are through line throughout the episodes I've seen so far. So, I mean, kudos, the first, you know, the first episode really it shocked me in the best possible way um jumping direction at what point did you realize that you know you're here on american council of the blind media one sunday edition um at what point did you realize that this might mean a little bit more to our community as an audience than it would be to most listeners out there ex- with the you know exception of the absolute audio drama you know um audio drama files i guess you could say uh 10 years ago when i was doing we were live um uh, i i'm i'm ashamed to say i didn't really think i mean podcasts were new but we had uh, a number of people reach out and say how much they loved it and i actually got the the chance I had somebody reach out who was in town and said, I'd love to, you know, just a fan who said, I'd love to meet you, who was visually impaired. And I saw how much this meant to meant to him. And I, again, I was a little ashamed that I didn't think of it before. It was never a community that I had, you know, been a part of. Um, But after that, again, for the last 10 years, it's been a huge part of what I've thought about and really going well, this is the community this is designed for. It's it's not, you know, taking some other medium and and changing it for this community. This is one hundred percent designed for for the the visually impaired community. It's not adapted for it. Um, I had a, a, a fan reach out about Carcerum and ask, "What are people wearing?" And I said, "What do you mean?" Uh, what do you think they're wearing? And they said, well, I picture them in like suits, in like suits of armor kind of thing. And I go, that's absolutely correct. And they said, oh, really? And I said, whatever you see is right. And they go, well, isn't there fan art? I go, I mean, isn't there artwork? And I said, so for anybody that that doesn't know our poster, it's all in silhouette. We have uh, a girl, a guy, and a horse walking uh, in a forest. And you can't tell if they're walking towards you or away from you. there are trees on either side that are bare and they're very jagged. Um, there, there's no like leaves or anything on them. But they're pine trees are clearly walking through a forest and then there's shadow and it's all kind of red. Like the sun is either coming down or, or going up. You're not quite sure, but you, it's all black. It's all silhouette. I have no idea what they're wearing. Um, the only thing you can tell is that they're all, you know, they're in pants and they both have swords and there's a horse. The horse is not wearing pants, but if you see pants on the horse, that's fine with me. Um, <laughs> but other than that, it's everything in your mind. You are a hundred percent correct. And I want to see fan art. I want to hear what people think everything looks like. Um, we have, 
we have corrupted monsters who show up in this thing and we sort of give vague descriptions of certain things but for the most part you can tell us what it looks like and that was all by design because there's no need for you for me to tell you what it looks like unless it's a vital part to the story whatever so you, you mentioned oh god credit for <laughs> You mentioned um, the hill before and and obviously the rock controversy, so to speak. Yeah. What is the most surprising thing that a fan came back to you? Uh, you know, I pictured it this way. What What's the thing that like blew you away? All right. I, I, I have this one for you. Um, Dana Powers, who plays Aura, who is an amazing actress. She we could not have gotten luckier to get her. She she's a great friend and a great actress and her mother listen to the show and there are um there are uh, a people called the Terran who show up later and she saw them as centaurs she she in her mind this group of people were centaurs half horse half people and nowhere <laughs> nowhere do we talk about them being centaurs or anything um, but that's somehow what she pictured. And that was the most surprising thing to me is, is, is that uh, she's not wrong. If, if she can see them doing all the stuff that they're doing as centaurs, I'm fine with it. Well, in my introduction to, to Shane and Car Serum, I immediately started thinking lots and lots of things, including future projects. And we've been batting around a couple of ideas saying uh, we do need to get together offline, maybe Monday or Tuesday, because Absolutely. there is some movement with the American Council of the Blind, some interest. I think we could take the project we're thinking about and 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 uh, figure out some grant funding and, and wow. move forward. But, um, you know, within the audio description world and other various subsectors of the visually impaired world. There's a phrase called nothing about us without us. And I know that you're passionate in future projects to include um, more visually impaired or blind folks. Um, what is that? What does that look like going forward? In, and what does that mean for you that our community embrace this as, as hard and heavy as we as we are and can? Um, one of the things that I really do love about this audio is that I, I believe, and I am completely, if anybody wants to reach out either on this or, or privately, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram or reach out to carcerumtheseries.com or any of our, our handles and tell me if I'm wrong or if, if you have ideas. But I love the idea that this is something that the sighted and the, the impaired can do together and have this yeah. similar experience. The only difference in experience is, is as a, as a person, as a, as an individual. Um, and I, I think that the, the visual community can, the visual impairment community has a lot more power to advance, um, entertainment than they maybe are aware of. And I think they're going to get more and more and more because these major companies should be looking to you as viable consumers of mainstream entertainment. Amen. And, and I think it's amazing that they're doing, you know, Netflix is doing a lot with, with audio description and we've taught classes here. I have very good friends that do audio description and I find audio description amazing when it's done right. I think it's amazing. great. Um, but I think that, you know, for the community, 
without, again, without changing one thing of like, well, this was designed for this, but let's change it for that. And is, is great. And then you can take this audio and we have the whole design and then you dub it into different languages and it doesn't change the experience. You know, you're not, you're not looking at mouth flaps or anything. You actually get a new actor with different choices to make the exact same story, the same sound effects and all that stuff. So you can, you can change this to Spanish and French and German. And, and I think that is an incredible um, power that, that the visual and the non-visual community can work together in on the same thing so my my dream project which you know you know because we've had some conversations my dream project would be to map out a series where we can take as many of our stories in and conglomerate them into the story of one person well let's say supposedly a guy that might be a little like me who lost (laughs) his eyesight um you know close to being 40 and had to relearn the world and all the various experiences you know waiting at the bus stop and realizing that you're five feet away when the bus goes by and doesn't stop and various you know there are so many stories that can be told how about you you know and and i guess you are on you know a a show catering to blend and low vision but what is your absolute dream project in this medium you know um i i will say in in that vein um I can't remember seven years ago or 10 years ago or something. I can't, I don't even know what year it is now. I was, <laughs> NPR had a, a, an audio competition and they, it was, it was a nonfiction competition. You had 24 hours to put together a nonfiction something. So most people went out and they, you know, they interviewed people and that's what they did. And being audio drama, um, a friend of mine called me and said, I think we should do this. And I said, okay, let's do it. And they like, I want to do an audio drama. I want to watch you work. And for the first number of hours, I didn't know what we were going to do because I wanted to do an audio drama version of something. And then I found an article online about a woman who overnight went blind. She, she got sick. She had the doctor told her it was a cold or something, takes a medicine. She goes home, goes into a coma and wakes up blind. And I was like, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to take the audience through the exact, you know, every, all the interviews I found of her. And it's, you know, we take artistic liberties with some things. Um, but I want to put the audience through that experience. Um, and that's what we did. And we sent it to her and she was like, this is what I send people now when they ask what it was like going through. Um, and I love that. And that's what you and I have talked about that idea. And that's gotten really exciting for me. Um, as, uh, I have always loved the idea of doing a noir show and we actually are developing one right now. Um, nice old time, like really grungy noir. Um, you know, uh, it, nothing, you know, uh, nothing we do is really like the mainstream. So we're talking about, you know, our, our, our protagonist isn't the 30 year old. It's the, you know, it's an alcoholic who's like 18 or something like that. You know, these really grungy dystopian worlds. And I'm really excited about that show. Um, But I, I can't say that I have a, you know, exactly what, you know, I want to tell this story. I want to tell that story. I love the idea that you and I have talked about, about 
taking the audience through the experience of somebody who's lost their sight because how what other medium could you physically take the audience through that unless you put them in you know blindfold them and throw them into you know a room or something i i think it's it's an incredible way to connect communities um i just like the idea of of doing things that people don't think we can do Nice. Uh, I, I had many arguments years ago about having a, a mute character and mm-hmm. and go on like, no you can't do that you can't do that it's audio you can't do that and I'm like I can do it I can do it and we got right and now I have a horse I, I'll tell you right now that horse doesn't talk doesn't speak English makes noises um all that stuff like anybody could do who's mute um but that horse is one of the is a favorite character of many people I would have to agree. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll right. my, you, we didn't have a horse in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> so my last question, is there a voice that you would build anything or is there a voice out there that you would dream to work with that you'd build anything around just to have that experience? Like uh, an actor that I really want to work with? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, any voice that I'd want any actor I'd want to work with. It's really because I would be just a huge fan of theirs. Um, I LeVar Burton. I love, uh, I, I grew up, I grew up uh, watching reading rainbow and I think he's incredible. And I, I watched for the first time, I watched all the star Trek next generations during, it was the first thing I binged during COVID, which I'd never seen before. Um, Mark Hamill is another one. Uh, and we think we might be able to get him for uh, the the noir show, but I want to make sure we get that script and everything really, really good before we reach out. Um, but those are the first two that that pop into my head because um, I, if you don't know, Mark Hamill is one of the best successful voiceover actors. Voice artists, yeah. The original voice of the Joker in the animated series and a million other things. Um, and if anyone out there doesn't know that he was Luke Skywalker, you should be, you know, yeah. patty whacked. <laughs> Funny enough, so there's a there's a guy named Bob Bergen who's a good friend of mine. He is the voice of Porky Pig, um, but he is also the voice of Luke Skywalker uh, for animated, you know, like Robot Chicken and all those things because he sound he can sound like Mark Hamill from the original Star Wars. So uh, Bob Bergen is is amazing i uh, he, and he's been such a huge supporter of me for many many years um but oh my uh, god yeah. point of privilege you have to introduce me to porky i have to know porky <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right we can we can probably make that happen for me you know i'm gonna go in the two very very opposite directions okay you know miss miss meryl street because you know i think that there's oh. absolutely nothing that nothing you could throw at that woman that she couldn't handle. I often wish that she would take on a role playing a man as a man, but Meryl doing it. Just like, hey, I'm gonna be a man for this movie. Um, because I think she could do it. And I and on the opposite end of the spectrum, I think Jim Carrey would be amazing in this kind of work. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey is up there too. I actually uh have something i'd want to reach out to jim carrey about he did a a tv show many 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 years ago that didn't last incredibly long but it was called the duck factory yes yeah 
And uh, I actually wrote a, 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 a TV pilot that we want to make, and it's about voiceover actors and all these things. Uh, but I think it would be hilarious because it's about voice people doing an animated show. And I think it would be hilarious to have him be the head animator, basically his character from Duck Factory, and just show up in the show. And nobody would understand what this was, but I would think it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are going to skip back to my executive producer extraordinaire, Byron. If you've come up with any questions that you want to ask, great. And let's uh, let's do a, ha a hand count. How many people are uh, waiting to speak with Shane? All right. Well, I do have a question while we wait for some hands to go up. Um, when you work with people uh, recording their dialogue, do you uh, do you record in a studio with booths or do you do a lot of remote work uh, or is it kind of a mixture of both? Uh, a little mixture of both. We, I, I started running a sound studio before we started recording Carcerum basically to be able to record Carcerum and we got it to a place where it could sustain itself and we could record for cheaper and all these things. So we do have a very nice facility. However, COVID happened and we couldn't have people come into the studio for a very long time. We, we are now SAG approved and we have very strict cleaning protocols that we've had for a long time now. Uh, and we all mask up and everybody here is vaccinated. And, but uh, a lot of these major voice directors have home booths and home studios. So if you had that ability, I have ways of being able to engineer and record you from home. Uh, for anybody that cares, we have something called IPDTL, which we used a lot. We have Source Connect, which we used a lot, and we still do. Um, so we do 95% of the time, it was individuals recording by themselves. There are two instances that I can think of that we had people record together, even if they were in different areas. One was uh, uh, Marisa Marsh and Rob Paulson. They have a scene together and we were able to have one in studio and one remote and we had them be able to play off each other. And it was hilarious. Um, and then actually our first episode, the uh, first scene we did with Dana Powers and uh, Phil Reich, uh, who play Aura and Godric, and we had them do it together. We were really experimenting on how the best way to do it, but we found we could get, it took longer, but we, when we have one person in the studio at a time, we can get more uh, dynamics and, and because the editing makes it easier to, you know, if I like one take of one person, but the other person is talking over them, but I don't like that take, I can't, Take you can't out. play with it as much. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I would say mm, fifty to seventy-five percent were remote, and the rest were we would have people come in um, to do it. But you know, ninety-five percent of the time, people were just by themselves recording, and we were playing off of them, and we get a lot of different takes because we didn't wouldn't know what exactly what another actor who was in that scene was going to do. Um, but we also found people would you know, we would have sort of an idea of, of what the scene was, but we found, we learned very, very quickly that we would take whatever this person came in with and adapt it and find out what this character was. There are no two-dimensional characters in this show yeah. as far as we're concerned. You know, even if somebody has a very small scene, um, it's a full character. And, and we really saw what somebody came in with and would adapt it. Cameron Crowe, um, we had a part written and we're like, oh, why don't you do this part? And 
it was this big burly guy and he had a sword and he was very like, that's how we pictured in our heads. And he comes in and he has this voice that doesn't fit that picture that's in our head. So on the spot, we changed the whole thing to fit who Cameron Crowe is. And we ended up making it this very comedic scene. It's sort of a Don Knotts and he's dropping his sword all over the place. And it's one of my favorite scenes because we're not telling actors what to do as much as going, uh, you know, who are you and how do you fit into this world? I took a lot of care while we were writing this to do a couple things is that there were no, when we started writing, none of the characters had genders. Um, we didn't know if it was going to be a man or a woman or non-binary or anything like that. Um, it, you know, we, I had an idea of who Aura was going to be and Kevin and, and other things like that. I don't want to give anything away, but you know, 98% of the people, we didn't know what gender they were going to be. And we would think of people we knew or cast and go, oh, they would be really good in this role. And that's when we discovered what gender that character was going to be. Um, same with sexuality. We really don't talk about people's sexuality in this, in this show at all. Um, we do have some characters that you know are straight or bi or, um, uh, you know, gay because of you know, their reaction to other people, but, um, or things that they've said, but none of it's, it's important to the story. It's not like, oh, you know, making a big deal out of this or that. Um, and the same thing with gender where we never have, and I, and I had the writers and, um, men and women read this stuff to make sure that we were doing this where, they, the, you know, nobody's ever saying, well, you can't do that. You're a girl. You know, it's like, oh, you're small. You can't do that. But nobody's treated differently. Yeah. You know what? That's a point. We, let's let's put a pin for a moment because that's a point okay. I definitely wanted to get to. And being a show host, I forget to hit certain topics. That's a point I definitely wanted to, to highlight. So it seems to me, like you said, you know, multiple times, it is whatever world you end up creating in your own head. But it, it seems to me as though the genesis of, of the, you know, the production, the outlining of it all and putting the world together, sexuality, um, diversity wasn't um, a question. It wasn't, um, it, it's as though, it, you know, the world that Carcerum is has evolved past needing to label, needing to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is that something I created in my own head or is that something that, you know, was a very focal point for you guys as you were, you know, fleshing this all out? Um, I would say it's not that Carcerum has evolved to that point. I think it just always was that way. You know, when, when people are talking about movies or TV shows or theater or anything like that, I say, you know, it, you, you make the world. And if you want to make a, a movie or a TV show or anything, that doesn't have those things as an issue, just don't make those things an issue. You know, as, as us, we want to make sure that we aren't, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're very inclusive in the writing and all this stuff, but we don't have that kind of sexism, racism um, in the world. It's not that we, I, I think to me, the it never occurred to any character, good or bad in this show to ever have that be an issue. It okay. never occurred to people in the world that any of those things would matter. So it's not a thing that we talk about or point out, but I had one person tell me that they, they love 
aura the the one of the main girls because it's not a story about her as a girl going through something yes yes it's her going through she's a character going through it and it doesn't matter that she's a girl yeah and that was one of the first things i said when we started when we sat down with the writers i go this is the world that i want to talk about and tell it's we never we never talk about these things as you know negatives or positives we just you know people accept everybody as accepting people byron do we have any hands yet Oh man, you just caught me mid sneeze. <laughs> God bless you. Um, no, I don't see any hands right now, but we would really love to encourage people to raise those hands and ask those questions. Um, I'm definitely curious about the casting process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when how how do you when you when you uh, are writing your story, do you have an idea of what voices you want and you kind of write around those voices or do you have like general, like how do you go through the process of casting someone? Um, You know, what's, what's that process like? Well, and uh, doesn't Byron just have the voice for an audio drama to be (laughs) a comedic relief within the audio drama? But God, I think he could be a hero. That's thank you. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, it's, it's funny because um, while writing it, I have pictures of people in my head. I have voices in my head, but it's all to help me write. It's not because I think that's who needs to be cast in it. It helps me, like I say, make the movie if I'm picturing people and people I don't know. Um, There's a character called Karis a little bit later, and we uh, named him Karis because while we were writing and stuff, I had pictured Mongo from Blazing Saddles in my head. (laughs) <laughs> and we couldn't name the character Mongo, but the person who who played Mongo is named Alex Karras. So I I do have visuals of people in my head, um, but or even just pictures or, or what they sound like. But that never trans that doesn't really translate to what actually ends up being cast. Um, when we brought Neil Flynn in and he read Vorloff, he actually said to us something like are you sure you want me? Don't you want a voice like something else? And we say, no, we want a good actor. I don't really care what he sounds like. If you are an actor who can, you know, it's not, it's not an animation job. You're not changing your voice. This is much more like theater than anything else. Um, you just naturally, you know, you can be this character. Um, it's really less about voice type and more about character type. Um, so we would sit here, I mean, we're fortunate to know a lot of people in the voiceover industry and we would make lists and um, think about who would be good in this role or that role. Uh, sometimes we'd have people read for it and see if they, you know, it, again, it's about the acting. It's not about, you know, like, oh, they have the, the perfect voice for this or the perfect voice for that. If we could cast them in a play or a movie of this, then that's great. Um, you know, oh, you know, who would be really good at this? You know, who'd be really good at that? Um, that's really much more of how we did casting than think about, okay, who has a deep voice? Who has a, you know, the, the, the part that Jane Lynch plays, we didn't know what that sounded like. We didn't know if it was a guy or a girl for a very long time. Um, we sort of know, we knew what we wanted to happen in the, in the scene and how this character would interact with other people. And we brought in a number of people to, you know, sort of read for it. And we just never felt right. And then Jane came in and we're like, this will be perfect. This is the sassy, perfect part right here. Um, so yeah, 
writing it, I have voices and pictures in my head. But once we get to the casting, all of that goes out the window and we go, well, who can embody this character? So let's say somebody like Byron or someone else in our community would like to be a part of Carcerum season two. Um, what would they do and, and how could they get on your radar? Find a lot of money first because it's <laughs> so much it, it, it I, I'm almost I'm only exaggerating a little bit when I say I feel like it almost killed me because during the pandemic, it was two people in in a in a cave putting this thing together. Then we'd send it out to our music guy and our, our animation or our uh, mixing. But it it was 16 hour days for months, you know, between recording and then designing and then arguing. It was it was really rough. So I need help. I need to be able to hire some people for season two. Um, but you know, reach out. I'm fine with that. Um, uh, keep an eye out if we do, you know, follow our social media, because if we do some kind of casting or something, I'll definitely put it out there and say, send in your demos or send in your, you know, if I don't know exactly how we're going to do it. Um, but I am very open to um, uh, people wanting to be involved. And, you know, I, I say if, if you have any other artistic talents that you like, use them. And, and that's another way. So if you're, if you're a, if you're an artist as well, draw something that, um, you know, is, looks like something or, you know, write a description, like a detailed description of what a corrupted looks like to you and we'll post it and, uh, you know, get involved. I, I really want to create a, an entire community around car serum and, encourage fan interactions and have fans find each other and and uh and and all that good stuff i mean make a podcast about carcerum like any of these things i'm i'm uh, i want to be very involved with the fans of the show i know that we have a hand and we'll get to it in a moment but um i'm a big fan of fanfic um you know and so i don't know and correct me if there is some out there um, if you came across a fanfic site for Carcerum, what would that mean to you? And if there is one already, please let us know and um, I, let us go check it out. I don't know of any. I would, I would be ecstatic. I would read all of it. I would, I would be so honored that people cared enough to do these things. Um, and uh, that would, it, it would be, it would be very, very cool. And if you know, like I said, if somebody wants to do something and I can help in any way, reach out. You know either social media or on carcerumtheseries.com. There's a contact us page, like any of those things. Reach out. I'm more than happy to help if I can. Byron, I think I heard a hand go up. So who do we have? You sure did. Uh, Daryl, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to unmute and uh, feel free to speak. Uh, great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Shane, obviously, I know quite a lot about how uh, the two of you you and Bill spend all that time putting things together all alone in the studio. But I never thought to ask you, how many people did you actually have doing the different things like writers, uh, designers, actors, the tech people, uh, musicians, and the administrative people, things like that? Uh Good question. Um, I, I know Daryl, so that's why he says he knows some, some stuff. Um, so we, we started out when we were first 
starting to record. We started recording in, a, in January and trying to figure out the best way to record. And we did a lot of trials of having lavalier mics or hanging mics and, and different things to figure out the best way to do it. And at that point, we had me and Bill, we had, we would bring in an engineer. Uh, so I didn't have to do it. Um, and we would have, we had a script supervisor and a production coordinator. So that would be five people in, in the room. Um, and then we had some behind the scenes video going as well. Then April hit, uh, March and April and COVID shut it down. After that, we had me and Bill um, recording. All recordings, I would, I would engineer um, and Bill would take script notes um, and take notes. Uh, when I was recording, we would bring in another engineer to help push buttons and know, uh, again, Everybody within, we had a very, very tight bubble where everybody in the bubble only saw our bubble. Um, so we were very, very careful about everything. Um, we, we had people in that bubble who were 92 and people who were under the age of one. So we were very, very careful. Um, but we had that. And then we would send it out to Tim McEwen to do our mix and we would do mix sessions remotely. I set up a system where we could hear the raw footage from Tim's computer where he's at home and we're in the studio. And once we had that set, uh, you know, an episode was done, then we'd send it to um, Dave Volpe who did our music. So 99% of the time we had me and Bill, I designed, you know, I did the, the original design of everything and then I'd send it to Tim and he'd add stuff and, and mix it amazing. Um, and then we'd send it to Dave. So me, Bill, Dave, and uh, Tim. Um, and then we'd have, we had a, a couple other people, Corey Powers and um, Tom Peborisuth, who sometimes would come in and do the interviews with people, um, behind the scenes interviews, um, or, or ask us questions and things like that. But most of the time, it was four of us. Um, we definitely had other people helping um, to do some of the social media and, and, and some of those things, but all of it was people donating their time because they were on lockdown and they just really liked what we were doing. Um, but yeah, most of it was just me, Bill, and then we'd send it to Tim and then to Dave. It was exhausting. Can, can I extend the question a little bit? Because absolutely that, that as I, I kept a rough count here, and that was like 10 or 11 people total. That you that you uh, said did that. What was the size of the cast? That was that was a, around 120 people. Wow, um, the cast was very very large. I mean, some there were bigger parts and smaller parts, um, but the cast became very large. I mean, uh, writers. You had asked about writers. Uh, we had Aaron Castellon, um, Laura Davies, who were two of the main writers. Our head writers were me and JoJo Henriksen. Um, I would take it and then Jojo would be sort of the last person to read it to make sure it all makes sense. Um, he wouldn't really change anything, but he was our, you know, our, our go-to go, are we good? And then for our writer's weekend, we had George Ackles and uh, Luke McKinley, who would also help to kind of help create this world. Um, so we had six or seven people who helped, you know, got free food and, and, and helped, shape this world and everything then we had two uh primary writers and then me to change everything and then so 
we did have a, a, a large group of people who are incredibly talented, got paid much less than they're worth. Um, and, and, and were couldn't, you know, Carson wouldn't be what it is without them. Considering, considering the length of credits that I see in movies, that 15 to 20 people total you just talked about is a really small number, not a lot. And, yeah. uh, and managing, yeah. managing a cast of that size, a huge cast, is also difficult. Let me ask you, what would you like to have had or what would you like to have in, you know, for your next, next production? How many would it take to do it without killing yourself? Um, Good question. I, I mean, we would like a uh, million dollars. Um, I would, I, if, if we had our druthers, we would have a production coordinator who was really in charge. And we, we have sort of a lot of these people lined up now um, to help with the, the orchestrating and bringing in the actors and making sure the schedules all worked out. We'd have a, uh, a script supervisor who took amazing notes so we could literally just pick the takes. I would have somebody who would go through and pull out the takes that we wanted. So uh, uh, like an assistant editor to pull out the takes we wanted and line up all of the, the um, you know, just, just the voices. Then I would have uh, an editor to, to design the episodes, I would oversee the design, but I wouldn't necessarily have to do all of the block by block. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we have, you know, we'd be able to pay uh, our mixers more. Um, our music, we could actually, we did a lot. Dave Volpe, who did an amazing job with the music, uh, would would listen to episodes and then see what we could use of music that he already did. Um, and uh, so we would actually be able to score every single episode, um, which would be incredible. And then we'd have a social media person to be taking pictures behind the scenes, to help interact with fans, to do that outreach. Um, and I would actually be able to get sleep at night because I wouldn't have to do many, many, many of those jobs. And same with Bill, we could come in, we could direct, we could orchestrate people doing things um, we could make the show be amazing, but, and we also, you know, get to work with people we love, which is really the whole, if we're working with people that you don't like, get out. Um, because we have so much fun working and, and we have such a silly time um, doing things. And that's what, you know, that's one thing that makes it so much fun. Again, I kept a running count of what you sort of named. And it, clearly what you described was, <clears throat> at least double the staff yeah. which that and we could actually see everybody more <laughs> it, yeah right and getting uh you know adequate support which means stuff and people in the background which probably takes it much more than 40 or 50 so that's that's amazing that's really amazing thank you so so i have the i have the funding answer what you guys have to do, and it's sort of a double-edged sword, what you have to do is hire Morgan Freeman because he turns all the microphones he talks into into bars of solid gold, and then you guys would be fully funded. <laughs> you know what? You know, you know him. Send him my way. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, if he, yeah, we'll, uh, yeah, send him my way. We'll take him out to lunch. 
Shane, were there any situations that you scripted, you know, that you went through the entire process and then you got to recording and it just didn't work? Once we did actually record uh, an entire scene or an entire episode with a couple characters who once I started putting it together, it wasn't what we wanted. So I, I literally rewrote, you know, half an episode uh, and brought that actor back in to re or one or two actors to re-record because we wanted we, we just wanted to have the characters be something different um, or we wanted them to interact differently with with other characters. Um, but other than that, no. And, and that had nothing that was not even on the actor that was on the writing. It was, you know, the writing made the, you know, the choices that were made happen. So uh, other than that, we could usually, you know, things changed all the time. It, we might at some point put out the original scripts that we recorded with, and you'll see how much actually changed um, between even recording and producing. Um, scenes changed, uh, you know, sound effects changed, fights changed, all these things. Um, but yeah, only once did we have to go back and re-record because I wasn't happy with, with something that I had written. You know, my grandmother was fond of saying that, you know, you can take all the same ingredients every time if you're, if you're building a stew, but it is never going to taste exactly the same. Um, I'm wondering from, you know, you had said that the series was entirely scripted out before you started recording. Did any of the progression of what you were doing change because once you got recording and you saw the dynamics of, you know, the different characters and, and the way the story was going, did you end up with the original product that you wrote on those first set of scripts and to the recorded what we have now available to us? Most. Um... Most of the, the, the reason we wrote the whole thing out is because a lot of times, because it was this fantasy world, there would be things that would happen in episode 20 that we could refer to in episode one and nobody would have any idea. Or the rules, they're like, oh, it would be really cool if we could have this happen, but we have to go back and make sure that we don't you know, negatively impact that early on. Um, so- well, Big example would be this, the, the show Lost. They exactly. just change the rules entirely every couple of episodes. But go ahead. Exactly. And so we that's we had everything written out like that. So we knew exactly what was going to happen. There were dynamics that changed, especially when you got actors in there, because we, you know, actors would be like, well, can I say this instead of this and that instead of that? And we go, absolutely. We wrote this. We own this. You can say whatever you want. Whatever you as the character would say, we're fine with. Um, so sometimes the script sort of came more like a a guidance of what you know a line was get all these points across but say it how you want you feel like you would say it um because you know sometimes i have a picture in my head of of somebody else when i'm writing it and then we get this actor and they're fantastic and we're like great say it how you would say it because that was you know something different so it's it, it's very collaborative and that was so amazing about this is that it was ev for every single step of the way it's a collaborative effort and straight up into the audience because again you're going to experience something different than i'm going to experience so from the writing to the acting to the designing because bill and i would get into arguments be like well no the 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 poster is on the wall over there. And I said, no, the poster's on the wall over there. And then we realized it doesn't really matter, but it would matter with fading or something like that. And Tim 
would see something totally different. So he would he would do the 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 panning a different way, and we'd be like, well, that's not how I saw it, but that's okay. Um, it it was in, and then the audience sees something completely different. So it was so collaborative, and for me, that's what I enjoy about all of it, all the art form and, and everything is the collaboration. So I have another two prong question. Um, all, you know, we see this a lot in the soap opera medium, but a lot of scripted genre, uh, John, um, a lot of scripted shows, a character will come in and because of the force of, you know, the personality that that actor brings to the character, suddenly what went, might have been a two episode arc or, you know, a two week arc on a soap opera turns into, wow, you know, we need to bring this in for a long storyline arc. Did anything like that happen on the production? And the second prong of this question is, I'm a huge, huge fan of um, young adults and, and um children's literature and the author l frank Baum, who created uh the wizard of oz the oz series the first you know the original 14 books says that after the second book there's not a single original idea of his in the the subsequent 12 books he took what the children wrote to him and weaved 12 more stories out of what his audience wanted how much of that is is playing a role into what might happen for season two? And my first question, of course, did any characters take you by surprise and become bigger than than they were, were originally intended? Um, I, I would say because we wrote the whole first season, it didn't the the size of the character or anything didn't change from recording. We didn't add stuff. There were a couple characters we actually thought about doing that too because we enjoyed that characterization so much um and there are some characters that were like oh you know people have really said that they love this character and we're like well maybe we can fit them into season two somehow and they'd be you know a one episode character kind of thing um uh but um what was the second one the second one was you right. know now that you're getting a lot of audience reaction right other you know other ideas that have come to you that you say oh wow we've got to find a way to work this into season two i will say as even as we were recording and designing there were ideas that were popping up because we'd record something you know in episode four or episode 20 or episode 24 and then it'd be like oh you know it'd be really cool if this was an easter egg for something in season two um and it wasn't necessarily something that we would have thought of while we were first recording um, awesome. we, do, we do have things in season one that are directly tied to things in season two. Um, but I am totally open to if people have ideas and stuff and want to throw them out to us. Um, uh, we to to think about how people want to incorporate. And I would encourage people to. It's really funny because we have I've had a number of I've had a friend say this. I've had people write comments on 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 different pages and stuff they'll listen to the first episode just because we're going to listen to parts A and B uh, and they'll listen to like one A and they'll say something like, oh, it's really good, but you know, it's very predictable. And I always have to say, great, you need to get to at least episode three before you give me comments like that. Um, because one of the things we try to do is to always you know lull you into false sense of security and then yeah while, while we were writing we had a, a one of our our writers was very big into into certain things and she said well this is the trope this is the trope we should do this and bill and i'd say great that's the trope let's not do that 
we really wanted to break all these these tropes and and uh have people think they know what's happening and then you know even from the beginning you'll hear the narrator um thing that we do at the beginning and you're like oh this is what this is going to be and then it changes and it's like what um so we try to keep it so you're never quite sure what's going to happen and and it keeps you guessing right up until the end of the episode and i'm fortunate that i had a number of friends during the the um lockdown yeah yeah. listen to episodes every week and me getting their reactions was hilarious even dana powers when she would read scripts and other actors would read scripts and they read a lot of them they weren't just in one or two episodes um they would uh come you know they'd call and be like i just read this episode what are you doing even bill he read uh, an episode later and uh you know later in the series and i walked into the studio one day and he's like i just read this episode seriously (laughs) i was like that's the reaction that's what we want we want you to be a little bit irritated because you didn't see it coming i think the first time you see that is the the transition between episode two and three and then again you kind of get a shock shake up for episode five yeah um so i guess that can i'm hoping because i unfortunately i did not have enough time to to listen to the entire series uh, folks know i had a death of my family etc cetera, etc cetera. is that the tagline that continues all the way through you, you know uh, you keep getting kind of knocked back to where your brain is telling you this is what's going to happen next and then wow oh my god did not I, expect this i hope so i mean we i really try to have the audience go through exactly what the characters are going through you know, the character that you're following or the characters that you follow throughout. I mean, Aura and Godric, they've never really left their home. They've never left where they are. So right. they're learning as you're learning too. So um, that's that's what's sort of exciting about the whole thing is that we you get we get to explore this world with the characters. And so the audience is the character learning as they go. And so every time the, the the characters get shocked, the audience is right there with them. One more, uh, you know, and again, I'm early in the series, but one more fan, I guess you could say, question. Is romance going to take more of a, is there going to be any teasers of romance later on in this season or later on um, in the show's history itself? Um, if If there is romance, it's not going to be, uh, it's it's a hard with a, with spoilers, um, but it's it's not a driving force of the story. Um, the characters are the characters. If if there becomes romance, it's because that's what sort of happened. That's how the characters evolved. But it's not. Um, this is not a, a so many so many stories and so many. Um, movies and stuff sort of push that narrative in there somehow as in well there always has to be some kind of romance somewhere right and i'm like well i have many many friends who are you know i'm i'm a a straight male i have many female friends who are straight and i don't i'm not romantically involved with them just because we hang out um it's it's not a it's not a necessity if if it happens, it will happen organically and naturally. But um, yeah, people are going to read into things uh, if they yeah. want. 
that's I think with the potential of the audience building, you know, the world within their own heads, there's always going to be, you know, a little bit more connotation or or possibilities, you know, in in everybody's individual head. I was wondering, you know, if that was something that you were going to think about for season two to flesh out more. But I, I get what you're saying and I and I enjoy that. And that's where fan fiction, by the way, would come in. Um, in in a nice way. (laughs) I'm going to throw it back to Byron, see if he has any other questions and to see if there are any other hands before we give some contact information and close out for the ACB media portion of this. Byron, do you have any other questions or are there any other hands? Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're well aware, uh, doing all this audio drama and stuff that you do that, you know, sometimes it takes like 12, it takes like all day long to produce 12 minutes of audio (laughs) because of all the sound effects and stuff. Uh, and that can be very hard, but is that, is that one of your favorite things or least favorite things, or is it sort of just sort of a necessary thing that you have to do? Um, I guess my big question is what is your favorite thing to do? And if that's audio production, why is that? Um, I would say my favorite thing to do is honestly, it would be to interact with the fans and, and recording because I get to interact with people. I really do love the, the designing um, in terms of, okay, figuring out, cause it's a puzzle. I love, I love, I did, I did theater construction for a long time in New York and, and there's always a problem and I love solving those problems. So I do love, I love it when you can finally figure out how to make it sound like you're picking up a rock or how it sounds like this or that. The actual putting in all the sound effects can get very exhausting um, depending on the episode. You know, it can take me, you know, if it's an easier episode, it can take me a couple hours or it could take me three days. Um, There are a few episodes. I won't tell you what happens, but episode 12 was incredibly hard for me to design um, you know, it, it was very trying for a number of reasons. Um, but I, I get so much pride out of solving the problem of how do I get people to see something? And, um, but it is definitely a double-edged sword, which is why I say, you know, in future seasons, I'd love to have other, uh, you know, designers and just sort of oversee it because, you know, designing 32 episodes to the intensity that we did um, with the time timetables we did was, was the most, you know, it was like running a marathon, but as quickly as a sprint. Um, and I'd done this kind of thing before, but this was a higher quality than, than I'd done it before with more characters. And what do you need to, you know, get the light to change to green for season two of car serum? Uh, honestly, I think we need, we just need people to find it. I think we need fans. We need people to talk about it. Um, we need that kind of thing. I mean, uh, I'll announce this. We haven't actually announced it online yet, but yesterday we found out we won uh, best podcast at the, the Vegas, uh, independent film festival. So we're out at a number of film festivals. We've won three communicator awards and we're in, you know, uh, a number of other film festivals right now, even though we're a podcast, um, I think that the more people that listen to it and share it and talk about it, the more interest we can get in it. And then hopefully some people will come along and say, I need to know what happens in season two. Here's some funding. Um, Because we have so many people that work on this, that believe in it. We have a a company that is helping us sell advertising who's believed in this since before we 
we launched because um, they just saw how passionate I was about doing it. Um, so I think we just need, you know, a bigger, you know, following and, and be able to take that and find the right person or people to go, okay, we, we can take this, you know, here's some, here's some other resources that will uh, help, help you continue. Well, let's hope our American Council of the Blind folks can help bring us up to that next level. And like I said, we are definitely in talks for something about us. Um, tell the folks where they can find Car Serum, where they can find you, and stick around. As soon as we go off of ACB Media, we'll be running Part A and Part B of the first episode of Car Serum. And Shane will stick around to answer any questions you have after listening to those two episodes. Shane, where can we find you and the show? You can find the show uh, anywhere that you listen to podcasting. Um, there's a new Samsung app that they just launched in the last couple of weeks where I think we're being featured right now too, but uh, iTunes, Stitcher, um, uh, other places, um, anywhere you listen to podcasts, but you can also just go to uh, www.carcerum, that's C-A-R-C-E-R-E-M, theseries.com carcerumtheseries.com and uh, find where we find all the links to where you can go as well. Um, you can find all of our social media at Carcerum the Series, at Carcerum the Series. Uh, on Twitter, it's actually at Carcerum S because uh, they didn't allow that many letters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can find me on Facebook or on Twitter uh, at just Shane Salk, S-H-A-N-E-S-A-L-K. But um, yeah, I, I'm, you know, we respond to every message that we get on any of the social media or off of the website. So reach out. We'd love to hear from you. All right, folks, I'm going to run the ending credits and then we'll be back running part A and part B of Car Serum, the premiere. You've been listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next Sunday. In the arcane land of Haru, full of regal countrysides and... <laughs> and rayless forests, the once halcyon days... What the... Shit. No! No! Miss me! Halcyon days now gone, and people... Throwing things. Really? It would appear so. People resigned to lives separated... You don't want to do this. Yeah? That's what you think! Separated from... My nose! My nose! I'll just let you hear the story. All right! That's it! Yeah! Yeah! You!
know what your problem is? What's that? You don't know when to stop. Well, do you know what your problem is? I'm sure you're going to tell me. You don't think ahead. Oh, yeah? And how's that? Well, it's not that I don't know when to stop. It's just, there isn't ever a good time. Okay. Okay, I quit. All right, in the same spot as yesterday. Oh, I hate that staff. <laughs> Loser. Shut I thought we were on a break for you to go off and piss. We were. I did it. And then we weren't. Hey, you think a corrupt dude is gonna give you a break? When have the corrupted ever attacked us, Aura? Huh? When? Not at home, sure. But when Plus, I don't think they would kick my ass all afternoon before they sneak up on me. I did not sneak up. Hey, you first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. Okay. I'm done for the day. No! No, no, no. We can go again. What is with you? It's been all week. The Chosen One is not going to just let anyone follow them. Or a... I want to find them as much as you. You think the things we've seen are bad? The stories we hear? The rest of our route is way worse. Before we had the Guardians. Now, we have no one. You really think the Guardians were real? <gasps> Seriously. Uh, I'm sure of it. If we're going to help fulfill the prophecy, the then prophecy, we got- The prophecy, the prophecy. I'm tired of hearing about the prophecy. You know, a lot of people don't even believe in the prophecy. You know what? A lot of people are willing to accept a broken world, too. But you and I aren't. Are we? Right? Right? Right. Okay, then. Now, let's go again. I'm ready. Uh, sorry. I'm done for the day, Aura. Really, I'm going home. Okay. Okay. Well, when we find the Chosen One, Aura. I'm going to make sure to tell them... Aura, shut up! What? Vigils. They're heading towards my house. Why would they be... I don't know! Godric, wait! to be in there? We know someone was here. The beacon was seen. My wife is innocent. You have no right. We have every legal right. And if you don't tell us what you know... We know nothing. If you say she doesn't possess the magic, then you must... Hey! What the hell? Let them go! Throwing rocks doesn't help, Godric! Run! Yes, 
grab him. Yes, my lord. Run! You must run! Go! You forgot your sword, jackass! Thanks. You go get your parents. I'll distract the rest! Okay. Not getting far without your horses, Vigil! Yeah! Damn it, child! Yeah! Yeah! What are you doing? Yeah! Stop that, I said! Yeah. I pray you know what to do with that sword, boy. I've learned a thing or two. Think you can add or do against one? Let's find out! For this. Coward, come back here! What happened? It wasn't my fault. When the door flew open, he, he fell onto my blade. You shouldn't have resisted. Jasper, the woman! In the abstruse land of Aru, full of regal countrysides and rayless forests, the once halcyon days now gone, and people resolved to lives separated from each other. A prophecy passed down, followed by believers, will set forth the path for the one leading the land of Aru Back to its days of yore. Godric. Godric, it's okay. Godric. Godric! Mother! Godric! Help your father wait, wait. with the door! No! Let go of that door, old man! Run. You must run. No! Rise, hero Godric! All the people! Godric! What? Godric! Godric! No! Godric! No! Godric! No! Godric! You need to calm down. But he and I can go. You're the ones who always told me it was real. Godric fits the prophecy. Can't you see? I know. And I agree with you. Oh, he's been out for days. He's in no shape to be traveling when he wakes up. His parents just died. I know. That's what I'm saying. 
The prophecy says the Chosen One has no parents. He fits the description. He fits the background. He, he fits everything we know. Aura, you need to give him time. Plus, there's nothing in it about you fighting. Why would you say that? I wasn't the one begging to get woken up at the break of day by the age of ten so I could learn to fight, practically asleep. I didn't throw myself in the river to learn how to catch food with my hands. We were training you to prepare for a corrupted attack. To protect yourself from invaders. For days like you just went through, not to help fulfill the prophecy. Edmund. Do you think I can't fight? That I can't help get the Guardians back? You're the best fighter I know. Then why are you fighting me so hard on this? I believe in you more than anyone else. I just... I just don't think it's him. Edmund, you can't be serious. Look at it. Look at him. Aura, I love you. But I just can't believe he is the one. How can you... He's right. Godric. Godric, how are you feeling? I'm not the one. I don't have it. And I don't want to be it. But, but it's born into you. It's not up to you. It sure isn't up to you. Oh, this is what we're talking about. You can't push him. He's your friend. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. You want to talk about it? Where are they? My father and I went back the day after it all happened. We buried them by the edge of the forest. The vigils must have taken the man your mother stabbed because everyone else had gone. How did I get here? I brought you here. After the explosion, I was knocked out too. I woke up a few hours later in the forest, and you were laying next to me. Spirit was there by our side. I think she saved us. Your horse. That doesn't make any sense, Aura. Of course it does. You're the chosen one, and Spirit knows it. She knew the vigils would wake up at some point, so she dragged us to safety before they did. You're giving that horse too much credit. It... Wait, explosion? Yes, the one you created, Godric. Don't you remember? I, I don't remember anything, except my parents' faces. I saw it with my own eyes. I was in the middle of fighting that vigil when I heard you yell. I turned to look at you, and boom! I was blinded by a large, warm, bright light that hit me with such great force that I was thrown back and knocked out. You were knocked out too. It must have been the magic. The magic must have knocked the breath out of you. No, no, it, it wasn't me. Godric, I saw it. You're so certain I'm part of that prophecy. I don't see it. 
all right? I'm just some guy in the middle of nowhere. I'm not the best fighter. I, I, I can't even read. You can learn. I can teach you. It, it doesn't matter how you start out. It matters where you end up. This chosen one will be responsible for saving everyone. I couldn't even save my parents! Godric, your parents' murders have to mean something! It has to be part of something bigger! If I let myself think they died for nothing! Dad, look, I don't I'm not here to say you're wrong. There's even a chance. I'm just fighting you because I don't want you to be right. But your grandmother pointed out that um, no matter who's right, it's not my decision to make. Here. Dad. Look at this. A scroll. What is this? Aura, your grandmother and I love you. We love you both, in fact. If you feel that this is the right thing to do, we support you. We're so proud of you. You know, the older I get, the more I learn. I can't control everything. <laughs> I hate that. What is this? It's the prophecy. My mother's had it since before I was born. In the old days, they used to collect the scrolls and burn them. We had to keep it secret. For reasons that seem so obvious now. I'm sorry I've been babbling on about fate so much. I'll stop now. Don't get me wrong, I do believe in my heart that you're the chosen one. But you're my friend first. And I'm here for you. No matter what you want to do. I don't even know what I'm looking at. Do you want me to read it to you? Fine, yeah. Read it to me. All right. Listen to this. Listen to the words. All hail thee, listener of time. Find thy destiny within this rhyme. One fighter without fear. Be brave. To lead by head. Chosen by an imperfect. Stand, face the land. Life survives death's knock. Magic moves. Pain twig on a dead limb at the home tree. Not knowing, but rise one dream. Savior. Huh. You know. My parents gave me this amulet. Hmm. I always thought it was some kind of key. Uh, it's, it's just shaped like a key. Doesn't actually open anything. Oh. 
they told me if anything should ever happen to them, that I should seek out my aunt in Shadowrun. So, it can't be me. What do you mean? Well, the prophecy said I have no connection to the family tree, and I still have an aunt. It says the closest missing twig. Not all branches. Oh. <sighs> what? It's nothing. Speak. You clearly want to say something. No, I just... <sighs> I said I would stop. Just tell me. Okay, fine. Hear me out. Your parents were like a second family to me. But they're gone now. And you showed magic. Now you have a mysterious key amulet and a quest to find a mysterious long-lost relative. And you still don't think you're the chosen yeah. one? Where are you going? To thank your parents and tell them I won't be staying past tonight. What? You told me to tell you. I need to fulfill my parents' wishes and see my aunt. Not a mysterious person, Aura. My aunt. We can leave in the morning. We? Like I could stop you. Look, we always said if we left, we would have each other's backs. Besides, I could use the company. Fine. Fine. Hey. What? <clears throat> what could you possibly have to say now? Thank you. And just to be clear, Aura, I am not the chosen one. Right. So sorry. Sorry for everything. Sorry I wasn't a better son. Sorry I couldn't save you. Uh, at least uh, Aura and Edmund did a a nice job on your, um... Graves. <laughs> I always, always loved this old oak tree. I think you both would have liked it here. So, um... I'm gonna head to Shadowrun. You said to do that, if anything happened. Anyway, um, it's, it's already midday, so, you know, we won't get too far before we camp. I said to wait until tomorrow, but Aura insisted, and you, you know Aura, she makes up her mind. <laughs> This is so stupid! Who am I even talking to? You can't hear me, you're dead! You're, you're dead and buried! <sighs> and I'm 
still here. Why? For what? Or it says I'm the chosen one, that I, that I should feel honored, or special, or... But I don't want any of that. I just... I just want my parents back. God, it couldn't be me anyway. I can't do magic. No matter what she says she saw, she's wrong. Besides, if I had magic, I, I would have been able to save you both. Somehow. Yes, somehow. And it's not like you wouldn't have told me, right? <sighs> Too late to ask now. <laughs> I miss you both so much. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. <sighs> I'll go to Shadow Run. After that. <laughs> well, I, I, I do know one thing. I'm not gonna waste any more time on this chosen one stuff. And I'll leave that for some gasser looking to play hero. I'm not sure the world deserves to be saved anyway. Godric? Are you all right? <clears throat> yes, yes, I I'm, I'm fine. Spirit, you stay here. May Stisha grant you safe crossing. I love you, Mom. Dad. We heard you shouting. I'm a big fan of shouting. Well, I wanted to be sure they could hear me. Hey, did we do an okay job? Dad and I did our best. And... Oh, no, no, you did great. Thank you, really. Thank you both. Your parents would have done the same for us. Are you uh, sure you want to leave? After everything you've been through. No, I want to be with my family. Now, I've never met my aunt, but she's the only family I've got now. Yeah, I made a promise to my parents. Oh, sure, sure. Of course. Well, um, here, come see what Ama packed in Spirit's bags. She's got enough supplies for a month's journey, much less the six days it takes to ride to Shadow Run. And, uh, there's something I want to show you. Or wait a moment. What? Wait. What is it? I want you to know something. I'm so proud of you. I know, Grandma. Aura. I'm so proud of you, and I'm proud that you've placed your faith in the prophecy. My mother handed that faith down to me, and I've handed it down to you. But Godric... Grandma, he just is... Just listen to me. Sorry. Godric does not believe the way that you do. And with everything he's been through, he's, he's more fragile than you understand. You're going to need to look out for him. You just, just take care of him. Grandma, don't worry. I will. And take care of yourself. I will. I always do. So, even with potential delays, 
I don't think you'll have anything to worry about. No, this is amazing. We'll eat like kings. Thank you for everything. <laughs> no, don't thank me. This was all Amma's doing. There is one more thing. There we go. My father's sword. We found it when we took care of things. The sheath is a little worse for wear, but the sword... <laughs> Looks incredible. Did you... Well, I may have cleaned it up a bit. It's a beautiful weapon. <laughs> Dad always said Mom and I were the only things in this world he loved more than this sword. <laughs> uh, thank you, Edmund. You're welcome, lad. I know George would have wanted you to have it. Carry it with pride. You'd better not be eating the supplies, Edmund. <laughs> we're not, Amma. If I had, I'd have to go with you. How are you two getting on? Everything in order? Yes. Everything looks great. I'm ready. Good. We should get going. At this point, we're only gonna get three leagues from here. If we're lucky. It's about six days' ride to Shadow Run. Wouldn't it be better to set off in the morning? Edmund's spirit is packed, and they're ready to go. So let them. Ah, fine, fine. So, who rides first? We'll just walk for now. Save spirit for the moment. Sounds good to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back, Father. Don't worry. Telling me not to worry is like telling the wind not to blow. I know, but you know I had to try. I love you so much. I love you too, Dad. I may have my doubts about all this, but I believe in you, Aura. Thank you. Uh, now go. Get out of here. <laughs> the farther you go before it gets dark, the better. Yeah. Less chance of me coming after you. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for everything. We'll send word when we can. Goodbye. Be safe. We love you. Godric, you take care of my daughter and Aura. Keep them alive long enough to do it. It's far too late in the evening for this nonsense. Hand over the child! He's just a boy. He's of no danger to anyone. Dad, I'm sorry. We have heard evidence he's magic. Rumors. Unfounded gossip from soulless people. Then why did we and all these fine village folk find you on the road, sneaking away from town in the dead of night? I won't let you and your child put the rest of us at risk. These men are here for our protection. Linus, you canary fink! I witnessed the magic myself, sire, just two fortnights ago. There, you see. Hardly a rumor. <clears throat> what are you doing? Don't go near him. Quiet! Uh, you'll be made quiet. It's all right. It's all right, child. I won't hurt you. There. Now, child, what is your name? Malcolm, sir. <laughs> I knew a Malcolm once. He was a very brave man. He had bright green eyes. What color eyes do you have? Blue. May I see? Now, you can see my eyes if you like. 
I've always been told mine are a dull gray, like old steel. I can see them, sir. They look nice to me. You are kind. My mother was always fond of my eyes, too. He's a good lad, kind. And those eyes... Villagers, we all know how dangerous the magic can be. It's best the child comes with us. No! You'll have to kill me. And me, if you insist. What? Corruption! Defend yourself! It's a corrupted! Run! Run! Protect milk! No! No! Come here, boy! Let me go! Watch yourself, Jasper! It's coming for you! Die, beast! Child! The loosest the two eyes, sir. It took him in his jaws. He's surely dead. Another one. Claimed by one of those things. And us? How many have we lost? Uh, find out now! Yes, sir. Villager, the Lucis Naturae, or corrupted, as you call it, feed off the magic. Magic that broke this land in two. We are here to protect you, and now you know why. You tried to save your child, and now you've lost him and your wife. This is all your fault, Linus! You're the traitor! Traitor! What? What? You saw! He was a traitor! 
stirring. Sir, may I point out we're short a few men now? <laughs> Fuller! It's Linus. I'm a Fuller by trade. You fended yourself well against the Lucis Naturae, and showed no remorse to the grieving widower. Methinks you'll fit in perfectly as my apprentice, if you're so inclined to join us, of course. Ah, I... <laughs> yes! Good. The pay is low, but the adventure's high. Hell, pay the Fuller for his first week. He's earned it. Thank you. Thank me with your blood and sweat, Fuller. That's all I ask. Mount up. And let's ride! Doing that. <laughs> Think Spirit likes you. Uh, I wish she liked me less. <laughs> Spirit, stop! Oh, whoa. What's that smell? Yeah, I think it's the horse. The oats will do that to you. No, seriously. You smell that? Oh, yeah, now I do. It's almost like. Blood. Yeah, come on. Here. <laughs> no! Aura, wait! Naturai. A corrupted did this? What else could? These people are ripped apart. And these claw marks on the ground. And look. I don't want to imagine what happened to this one. Look at his jerkin. I remember it. He was one of the vigils who attacked your family. You're right. One of the men I fought was wearing one. Or one just like it. But, but he's the only one dressed that way. What about these others? I don't know. It, it must be villagers. Let's get out of here, Aura. This is... I wasn't... I couldn't have expected this. Me either. It's... It's just... Come on. Let's keep going. Yeah. Spirit, come on, girl. Let's go.
Horah. If the prophecy is fulfilled, it means the corrupted will disappear, right? Yes. Along with the vigils. And if I am the chosen one, all this carnage and awfulness could stop. Once and for all. Yes. The chosen one will protect the realm. And peace and prosperity will reign once again. I didn't tell you the other day. But when I was unconscious, right before I woke up, I had a dream. I was the chosen one. <gasps> Everything felt so real. <sighs> I saw myself... I saw myself saving everyone. <laughs> of course you did. Because you are the chosen one, Godric. One dream. Oh, that cinches it. The chosen one can't walk. You're riding from here on out. <laughs> Your horse, my liege. I shall walk from here. Why, thank you, citizen. Let me help you up. Oh. Well, if you insist. <laughs> <laughs> As a reward, I shall allow you to look after my amulet. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Such an honor, your chosenness. Yes, my people. We shall defend this land. Ha ha! Laura! Oh! 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 Hey, spirit! Spirit! Uh. <laughs> hey! Are you all right? I guess bees have no respect for the prophecy, sire. <laughs> oh, but don't you worry, oh chosen one. We'll change the world and then they'll bend their tiny little wells to you. But first, we must retrieve your noble seed. <sighs> I hate to say it, but it's a good thing they chase spirit. At least she's got some hope of outrunning them. Hey. And if you think I'm doing all the work now that you're... Godric. Godric. Come on, get up and help. Godric. Godric, come on. Hey, please say something. Godric. Oh, is that blood? Godric. Oh, no. Godric, no. Godric, no! No, no, come on. Carcerum, created by Shane Salk and William Holmes. Follow at Carcerum the Series on your favorite social media platform. For a full cast and crew list of Carcerum, please visit our website at carcerumtheseries.com. And that was episode one A and B. That is not the end of the series. That is the end of episode one A and B. So there's actually um, 
30 more episodes that you can get um that does just the very beginning so there's about 10 more hours of of story for that and you can find it all on on uh, at carcerumtheseries.com all right um let me see if we have any hands um i have a hand angela i i see lynn in the room i don't have a hand um but angela did you have a question or a comment yes you had already answered it i was wondering where to find everything and you had already given me the i didn't mean to raise my hand um where to find it and everything that was very good very good thank you very much absolutely thank you so much yeah carcerumtheseries.com will get you all links or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts generally if you just set uh, search for c-a-r-c-e-r-e-m it'll pop up thank you so much and lynn did you want to add anything to the discussion Lynn is a very faithful Sunday edition listener, as well as an active member of the American Council of the Blind. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, it was, it was science fiction. I like that kind of stuff. So, you know, it was, or fantasy or would you call it fantasy or science fiction? Which would you call it? I'd call it more like high, high fantasy. Well, say sometimes, it's between Lord of the Rings and Princess Bride. Some, sometimes they're pretty, uh, you know, mushy. You know, sometimes they could be pretty, pretty, pretty similar. You know. Sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. How did you feel, Lynn? Was there were there any parts where you didn't understand what was going on, or where you yeah. didn't feel completely immersed? There, there were a couple of times when they had the um, towards the end when they had the people who had who had killed this these other people, the the kind of British sounding people. I weren't sure who they were, and it wasn't really explained too much, so I was a little confused. Maybe I missed something at the very beginning, but uh, yeah. Understood. Those were the vigils. They were the ones that uh, attacked Godric's parents at the beginning. Got it. Got it. Do we and, ever see? Do we ever? Did we ever see Godric? Godric's parents? I missed the first couple of minutes. So. Ah, then yes, yes, we were introduced to all of those uh, uh, people in within the first you know, five ten minutes or so, um, and then you you learn more about the vigils and everybody else as as the series goes oh, on. Too. So okay. that would make sense that that you missed that. I would so I'm gonna get this endorsement. Um, between episode two and three, there's a huge jump in understanding, or at least it was for me, and understanding what I was listening to and picking up on um, the audio cues. I guess you could say that were leading, you know, that were leading the action, um, you know, non-visually. I had a huge, you know, understand. It takes a couple of of episodes to really understand what I'm, what we're hearing. And between episode two and three, I really got that understanding. So I assume that um, Godric is dead. I assume that they either he revives or revives himself or something like that. Uh, I'm not going to tell you anything. Oh, yeah. I can sit away. (laughs) Yeah. So, and and I would be interested to know if you go back and listen to that, what we just listened to again, if, if you have that same understanding that you got between two and three, with just the training of listening. Anthony, the I actually this is Daryl again. I actually didn't under recognize how valuable it was to go back until I got to something like episode nine or ten. Wow. At which point, I, it, it's you're right that the difference between the first and then the number three was a big difference. But I was still, you know, uncertain. And around episode ten, I said wait, what's, what's this about? And I said, I'm going to start listening <laughs> to the first one again and see what it is. 
and I was just dumbfounded by how how much better it was. So I then I, listened only, up through ten, and then only listened twice. I'm in episode six, so should I wait another episode or two before I go back and re-listen over again, or is it just you know that's when you when you realized and went back? Because I was thinking, yeah, you know, no, that what, was over the next couple of days i'm just going to go back and re-listen to to the episodes and see what what else i pick up now that i'm kind of in the feel of what i'm listening for exactly and uh i it just took me that long to realize that i ought to do something about the fact that i was a little bit lost yeah daryl are you um are you related to shane uh, a little bit <laughs> awesome Awesome. Uh, anybody else out there have a question or a comment before we close out for the day? All right. Well, then, Shane, this is going to go up in podcast. Day. A Sunday edition will be available now. The after show will go up um, tomorrow afternoon about 2 p.m. But can you and I, uh, do you have time to speak either tomorrow or Tuesday? Because I've got some developments from the grant writer and um and uh, Tony Stevens from the American Council of the Blind. And if we're serious about drafting up an outline and looking for grant money, we can go ahead with the project we were kind of bouncing around back and forth. Absolutely. I definitely have time. We could do, yeah, we could do tomorrow uh, or Tuesday. How about tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern time? Eastern time? That's just fine with me. I'll write it down. All right. I am really looking forward to this conversation because I think, you know, if, if we're both serious, you know, yeah. we've got the green light. So, wow. okay. Yeah, definitely. Let's, let's talk tomorrow. All right, cool. Everybody else. Thank you so much for listening to Carcerum and Shane and Sunday edition and uh, have a great rest of your Sunday, everyone. Daryl, it was a pleasure. You had some great uh, questions and comments to add. So please check out Sunday edition again. Every week I try to, sh I strive to bring something interesting to our community. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye, Anthony.